You're listening to episode 191 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Before we jump into today's podcast, I just wanted to say thanks to all of you who have picked up a copy of The Five Masculine Instincts over the last few months. This fall, I've been doing quite a bit of traveling and speaking around the book. If you're a ministry leader or you lead a men's ministry and you're looking for whether it's a weekend retreat or just a speaker, I'd love an opportunity to talk to you about the event, see how The Five Masculine Instincts might fit in. And also the holidays are coming up, so if there's some men in your life who haven't picked up a copy, maybe it'd make a great stocking stuff or a gift. I'd really appreciate it. I'm excited for today's conversation because as writers, as pastors, as humans, we are always looking for opportunities. But the truth is, God often gives us opportunities that we miss for a whole host of reasons. I'm talking with Jonathan Hardy today about his book, Arrow Striker, and recognizing God-given opportunities. Hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm joined on the podcast today by Jonathan Hardy. He has a passion to help local churches reach their communities and has served in various pastoral roles, helping lead two online platforms that are now training and equipping pastors in local churches, Leaders.Church and Church University. He's joining me on the podcast today, though, because he has a recently released first book, Arrow Striker, Live with Purpose and Leave an Eternal Impact Every Single Day. He joins me to talk about the book and about how as believers, probably as writers, I'm assuming as well, we can recognize and make the most out of every God-given opportunity. Well, Jonathan, uh, first of all, congratulations on the book, and uh, it's really excited to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Chase. It is exciting, as you know, to get the first book off the ground, and uh, it's exciting to be on the on the podcast with you today. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, well, Jonathan is a personal friend, and so I've had the privilege of uh, hearing about the book as it's been coming together and to get to read an early advanced copy of it as well. And uh, man, I've just been cheering it on. And you and I both know how much goes into a book launch and a first book in particular. And so it's been uh, it's been really exciting just to see Arrow Striker uh, actually out there in the world, seeing people post about it and reading it. Uh, maybe a good place to start is uh, the, the book is centered, even the title itself is an allusion to a, an Old Testament story, one that I actually just preached through not too long ago and always find interesting. <laughs> uh, maybe you could unpack that story and uh, and how it's the uh, the foundation for the idea of the book. Yeah, so in 2 Kings 13, there's a, a small, obscure story about King Jehoash, uh, the king of Israel, and Elisha the prophet. And uh, this is the only story that we have recorded of Jehoash's life. And so it's kind of very interesting that of all the things that the writer chose to write about, it's this particular story. And, and in 2 Kings 13, Elisha tells the king to strike his arrows. And the arrow strikes represented victory uh, over Aram. So in that time, um, they were a much more powerful nation and they were taking over city after city. And so got to the point where Israel was kind of on the brink of destruction and, and things were not looking good for them. And uh, and yet God wanted to intervene in this moment. And he was trying to use Elisha and the king of Israel to do so. And so these, these arrow strikes represented uh, victory over uh, this other nation. And so um, it was kind of this amazing opportunity for them to to have the tables turned and for Israel to be the victor in the situation. And uh, what ended up happening if you're familiar with the story, is that King Jehoash struck the ground three times with his arrows and then he stopped. And so Elisha's like, wait, hold on. You should have kept striking your arrows. If you would have, you would have completely destroyed 
the other nation. And, and yet in this, in this instance, you're only going to get three battle victories because of the three arrow strikes. And that's what ended up happening. And, uh, and so, you know, as I read that story years ago, I just felt like the Lord, you know, brought it to light, uh, that, um, the, because here, 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 as you know, Chase, here's the thing that the physical battles of the old Testament or the physical realities, maybe is a better way to say it, the old Testament are spiritual realities for us today. And so as I was looking at this story and thinking, wow, this is what was happening there. Well, I, in the spiritual life that we have, uh, whether it's the personal vi- battles we're going through or whether it's the overall battle of life of, of heaven versus hell, light versus darkness, uh, we want to make sure that we get the victory and and don't stop striking our arrows. And so that's how the whole story came about and uh, uh, labeling us as Christians as arrow strikers. I remember preaching through Second Kings and how many of these stories that, well, they're sort of the Sunday school stories, maybe a flannel board story that seem um, seem sort of over the top, right? So you shoot arrows out a window and each one's a right. battle victory or there's a floating axe head, you know, that's miraculously recovered or but you read these stories and you begin to recognize that these these ancient Hebrews are actually significantly like us and that they're living in complicated times. They're struggling to recognize how God is at work in those complicated times. And often they they struggle to believe. They struggle to believe that God is actually intervening and on their side and has a mm-hmm. purpose. They they sort of reach for for money or they reach for political alliances or their own military solutions and miss the things that God is doing. Uh, and reading through those stories reminded me again of how how personal this is um, as it is in these biblical stories. It's not just about armies. It's not just about nations and politics. It, it really comes down to this, this King in a room with these arrows and this sense uh-huh. from the prophet that, that he's supposed to personally by faith act and do something. Was there a moment when that story became personal for you, where it went from being an interesting Bible story to recognizing this really is in the same way a prophet speaking to a person, it's the spirit sort of drawing me to live this out personally as well. Oh, absolutely. I think throughout the, throughout the journey of writing it, um, that was probably, uh, a passion of mine. And, you know, I first had the idea of this book 15 years ago. And, um, and so in those times, I do think that, that the Lord was using it not only to, um, well, the Lord was using it to speak to me as well and to challenge me personally to go all out, to, to not stop short of, of what God wanted to do, even in my own life. And so, um, but then certainly as I'm writing it, there's a lot of the personal examples and things that I pulled out from the book that, um, that were, that were very personal, uh, to me. And so the book, while hopefully helpful to those who read it, it is actually, um, kind of a, a, a big passion of mine personally, because as you know, Chase, you know, we, we want to go all out for God. We don't want to stop short of what God wants to do. Uh, in our lives and through our lives. And, uh, and so hopefully this story and hopefully this book can help motivate people to look at ways in which maybe they uh, could strike their arrows, so to speak, a little bit more. One of the things that really struck me about the book is it's obviously about this story in particular, but really the book is about recognizing and taking advantage of God-given opportunities. You specifically call those opportunities gifts, that God gifts us opportunities in which to act. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about opportunities, how they're gifts, and and how often we find ourselves missing those opportunities. Well, gifts, um, 
Uh, opportunities are a gift. I mean, God gives us resources. He gives us talents. He gives us bil- abilities. But I believe he also gives us opportunities. And so we have a choice in the moment. Are we going to step into the opportunity or are we going to uh, miss this opportunity? Uh, you think about uh, Joshua in the Old Testament. Moses is going off the scene and it's Joshua's turn to lead the Israelites. Well, he had an opportunity and and he had a choice. I mean, we don't know all that went into that, kind of what you were talking about earlier, but that these are real people dealing with real real situations. And we, we know that he had fear because God was uh, telling him to be strong and courageous. Uh, and so th- there was an opportunity for him to step in and to lead the Israelites. And, and, you know, that's just one example that comes to mind as you're asking that question. But the, the reality is all of us have opportunities and they're gifts from God to then be able to give back to God to help other people. Because all, in the end, that's what it's all about. It's not about just our life. Uh, it's not about our um, passions and our resources and all that. But it's about how can we take all of these things that the Lord gives us and how can we then give them back to God? And so God gives us opportunities because he wants us to use the opportunities in order to go make a difference. And it's not just like the the, uh, the, the gifts of resources. Those aren't just for our consumption. God wants to use us as a, as a conduit to give back. And so I believe the same is true with opportunities. Uh, and yet sometimes we can miss the opportunity and we can't beat ourselves up. We can't shame ourselves because, hey, we're human. And I don't know about you, Chase, but I know I have missed an opportunity or two from time to time. And, you know, you learn from those and you take that and you say, okay, how can I step into that opportunity the next time it comes? And uh, God just gives us these opportunities because ultimately his goal is us. I mean, his goal is the relationship with us. His goal is the relationship with other people who are not yet following him that he wants us uh, to help bring along the journey. And, um, and so we want to make sure we can capitalize on the opportunities as best we can uh, every time they come around. I think it's really helpful to to recognize that God continues to give these opportunities because it can feel a little bit. I know people struggle with this. I have in the past, too. Did I did I miss that opportunity? And now everything's ruined. Right. For the rest of my life, mm-hmm. it was sort of blown. I'll never be back on track. But you yeah. you look at Israel's history and you see God over and over and over, even as they fail, even as they fall short, more opportunities. You know, he's persevering with his people, longing to for them to come back into relationship with him. Right. Uh, you use an illustration in the book. Look, anytime you use a C.S. Lewis and Tolkien illustration, <laughs> it's going to jump out at me. So you use the illustration of uh, Tolkien recognizing this kind of divine opportunity in Lewis's life. Uh, maybe you could uh, use that illustration as a way of uh, helping listeners understand these opportunities as well. Well, Using Tolkien and Lewis, I love it that you uh, that sticks out to you. That just uh, that that's fun. Um, Tolkien and Lewis is a good example of the powerful impact a person can have, and what I call the exponential spiritual effect that that can lead to. So, in other words, uh, today the opportunities that we have to reach someone, we never know who that person's then going to go reach, and and how their life is going to be an inspiration to help other people, and so. Um, as many people probably are aware, you know, Tolkien played a part in leading C.S. Lewis to Christ. And so the question I posed in the book is, well, what would have happened had Tolkien not done that? What if he didn't seize that opportunity? What if he didn't take the step of faith? What if he didn't share with Lewis and have these interactions with Lewis? Uh, what if what if that wasn't taking place? Then, you know, books like Mere Christianity wouldn't exist. You think about all of the 
influence that C.S. Lewis had as a writer and, and, and I mean, millions of people being impacted by C.S. Lewis. And what would have happened had Tolkien not done that? Well, we don't know what would have happened, but we can speculate that it might not look quite the same. And so the whole idea of that as an example is simply that today there's someone that maybe God wants us to reach that as soon as they're reached and as soon as they you know, either come to Christ or get a renewed sense of faith and purpose and hope, whatever it is in their life, that we don't know who they might go and reach. And so it's kind of that what I call the exponential spiritual effect. The, long, the, the more time we have to reach more people, the more impact that's going to lead down the road. It's kind of like, kind of like investing, you know, in, in theory. I know it depends on when the, uh, where the stock market is at the time. But in theory, you invest money today. And over time, it's going to grow and expand and you're going you're gonna to have more in the end. And so the idea is the sooner we can reach people and make a difference in people's lives, today or close to the day, that's going to allow us to have a greater amount of influence. The ripple effect of that will be larger. And so Tolkien and Lewis, obviously, that's a real fun example of, of how that can play out. Yeah, I think this struck me. Um, I had a chance this fall, I think, you know, too, to, to go to Europe and spent uh, a little bit of time in Oxford and got to visit some of the Lewis and Tolkien sites. And there's at Maudlin College where Lewis taught, there's a trail system. And he and surprised by uh, joy, he specifically talks about that trail system being one of the places where he had a critical conversation with Tolkien. And as I was reading your illustration, I thought, boy, how easy it is for us to, you know, hey, you want to go hang out with a friend, have coffee, grab lunch. Ah, I'm busy. I've got stuff going on. I've got ministry work to be done. And we miss some of these opportunities. How easy it would have been for Tolkien to say, well, you know, the lecture load I've got, you know, you know, the work I've got going on. Like, yeah, I'm not up for a walk today. Mm-hmm. But it is these these moments, these opportunities, these conversations that really can have eternal consequences and the consequences even here on Earth, uh, the profound impact that Lewis has had on me and so many others. I think it's a great yeah. picture of it. Um, what as you were writing about taking advantage of these opportunities, what are ways you see people missing opportunities, either not seeing them or sort of as the arrow striker analogies making sort of falling short of taking full opportunity? Yeah, uh, well, there's several, and that was um, a, a key part of of the book. Um, and the first one that just comes to mind is one that you just mentioned: busyness. Uh, busyness stops us from striking our arrows. It stops us from making the most of these opportunities. And because hey, we're, life is busy, and and I get that, um, and and I'm that way. Uh, and yet, at the same time, we have to recognize that just like your Tolkien Lewis example, if we're too busy. Uh, we could miss out on something that could be a pivotal moment for another person. And so, um, you know, that that's why in the book I talk about we need to plan for margin uh, because the unexpected is going to come our way. God, you know, God's agenda is different than our agenda. We don't know what a day may bring. Uh, we don't know what God may have. You don't know the conversation or the person you might run into. Um, but if we are so filled, or if our schedule is so filled with tasks, with responsibilities, with meetings and so forth, and we don't have any margin to prepare for these unexpected things, then uh, we could miss out on what God might want to do. Or uh, on the flip side, you could say, well, is God really going to give you the opportunities if you don't have any margin for him to work in in you and through you in those moments? And so uh, busyness is one of those things we have to guard against. And yeah, that that uh, one feels. I, I'm sort of cutting in just to th- yeah, throw my, my approval and say that one. To me, this one feels so personally relevant as a pastor as well, too, because it's so easy to fill my calendar up, thinking I'm doing God's work, 
and then never leave room for God to direct me by his spirit into something, something that was unplanned, something that was unexpected. Um, I always joke about yeah. ringing a bell when I quote Eugene Peterson. So ring the bell. But he uh, he used to talk about uh, a line from Moby Dick about the harpooner has to rise from a position of leisure. So while everyone on the ship is running around and setting sails <laughs> and trimming sails and tying down mm-hmm. sails, the, the man ready to throw the harpoon at the bow has to be in a position of calm before he acts. There has to be margin there for him to recognize mm-hmm. that moment of throwing the harpoon. Uh, and I think that's kind yeah. of what you're saying, too, that we have to be intentional about rest and space, not just so that we can be more productive, but we need place in our lives where it's there's just space and room for God to direct us into a new action, something that wasn't originally on the calendar. We have to be intentional about leaving that space open. Absolutely. I mean, it's so important. And and part of that is an awareness as well. You know, having that awareness that God does want to bring opportunities. He does want to use us. Uh, he does have plans for the day um, that we may not be aware of. But that's why my tagline is that, that uh, we can leave an eternal impact every single day. Because I do believe every single day there are moments of opportunity that God might want to bring our way. It could be simple things like just a quick conversation at the gas station, or maybe you're in the line at the grocery store. Uh, Maybe you feel like you just need to write a note of encouragement. I mean, these things don't always have to be sharing the gospel and presenting your testimony to people. I mean, they can be simple things that just little words that God uses in that moment. Um, But we, God won't be, isn't able to do that if, if we don't just take that moment to pause and to be present in, in those moments and having that awareness. Um, I might throw out a, a, at least one other thing, if you don't mind, Chase, that sure. stops us um, from striking our arrows. And, and that's fear. Um, fear is, is, a, is a very real thing for many people. Not everyone struggles with fear to the same degree, but fear is something that's a, a, a very significant thing that can stop people from going all out and, and maximizing the opportunities that God might want to bring them. Uh, and, and because we understand that, Hey, we, we, what if, what are people going to think of us? Um, a lot of times we have the feelings of what if I'm wrong? Um, you know, you just have all kinds of emotion and thoughts that can come in. And, and I think that's why the Lord often told people to not fear. In fact, in the Bible, that's the most frequently used command in scriptures to do not fear. And so uh, God knows fear is a real thing. Um, and so for us, we have to have this awareness of the fear that might come and not everyone has fear. And the more uh, power and strength we have in our relationship with God, the stronger we are to be able to move forward. But, you know, I mentioned Joshua earlier. I mean, Joshua, man, he was the man in the Bible. And yet he struggled with fear. Um, you think about uh, you can just go down. You can go through the whole Bible and you see fear, 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 fear. Everyone. It's a real it's a reality for people. and. So for us, in terms of striking our arrows, we have to make sure that we explore why fear comes. And I think this is something that sometimes maybe gets missed in Christian circles. We just, well, just don't fear. I mean, you know, just, just stop or, you know, just, just push through. Uh, but the reason we have fear, there's, there is a reason we have fear. And so we have to explore it. Why? Okay. Maybe God just told me to do this, but I'm afraid or I feel like, oh, I'm hesitant. Well, why do you feel that way? And, and really trying to dig deep and explore so that you can learn uh, maybe a little bit more about yourself and then be able to step into what God has for you. And so that's another one I think um, that's critically important. You know, in Jehoash, 
Um, I speculate, I don't think the Bible really tells us, but I speculate he maybe lacked a little bit of faith uh, to believe. And that's why he stro- stopped striking the arrows in that story. Um, and so, you know, that's another one for us as, is making sure that we live with extraordinary faith and believe that God does in fact want to work in our lives and through our lives. So that way we can make that maximum opportunity. So busyness, lack of faith, fear, those are some of the biggies that come to mind in, in my mind. I can't help imagining, again, sort of reading into the story that Joash may have just felt ridiculous too, right? <laughs> you know, hey, mm. I want you to shoot arrows out a window uh, into the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, I, I can do that three times, yeah. but anything more is starting to feel a little a little odd, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and yeah. these Old Testament prophets are always doing sort of crazy or outlandish, odd mm-hmm. things. Mm. Uh, that maybe and well look that feels personal as well too right that sometimes just living as a believer taking these steps of faith into opportunities when when people around you are not living that way it can feel a little strange sometimes to just step out into that that space that opportunity and trust that god's going to do something with it absolutely you know that reminds me of an instance not too long ago i had where i felt like the lord tell me to go to tell someone something and I, it was, I was praying. I actually had been fasting and I was, I was scared to death because I was like, if, if, if God's telling me to tell this person something, I better know that I like, I'm hearing from God. Um, and, and so it does get real personal. I mean, this is like, this is real world stuff. And yet when we step into it and when we do it, um, and it's, it's so rewarding because you know, you're just being faithful to God. And in this particular instance, um, I mean, this is just shocking. And you would think after all these years of serving God and being in ministry and so forth, Chase, that I I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been this way. But, um, you know, I I was, I was, you know, like, oh man, this is kind of a big deal. What I felt like the Lord told me to tell him, but I ended up doing it and it ended up being exactly what this, uh, this guy needed to hear. And, um, and so, you know, of course I praised the Lord over that, but, um, yeah, these things are personal and they, they, um, they're very significant. And, and again, it doesn't always have to be these huge things. I think that's an important thing. I, I know I feel like I'm talking a lot in terms about like the big stuff about reaching people for Jesus and sharing the gospel and so forth. But every moment is an opportunity, even if it's the small stuff in life, the, those words of encouragement, the simple phone call, even a quick text message to someone could be the thing that brightens their day, gives them some hope, gives them some encouragement. And all of those things collectively can make a big difference. One of the other really important topics that I think comes through in the book is the idea of timing. Uh, when we talk about these opportunities, as a pastor, I've seen people where God puts something on their heart, they feel something profoundly, and they feel like, well, I've got to go act on it now. Now's the moment. It has to happen now. And they can sort of rush ahead of God. And oftentimes God puts things, callings in our heart that take time to to develop. When you think about timing, how do you think about how as believers we should steward timing, we should think about timing, these opportunities. I was sort of laughing earlier. Um, you said that you had had this idea for this book 15 years ago. You know, that that is an opportunity that, that has waited a long time. I, I only laugh because when people ask me about uh, the book I had out in March, you know, how long I worked on it, I almost feel a little embarrassed <clears throat> to say, you know, it's been six years that since I yeah. started taking notes on that book, that sometimes mm-hmm. these opportunities take much, much longer uh, than we maybe originally understood them or rationalized them. 
Yes. Uh, I know it's kind of fun that you and I have this journey together of writing our first book and it being like a super long <laughs> process. Yeah, with um, twists and turns and unexpected. I mean, there's so many moments where you think, well, did did I miss this? Op- Maybe this wasn't actually the opportunity I thought it was. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. struggle with that when it comes to timing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's a there's different there's different elements in my mind as it relates to timing. I mean, obviously, we know in the word opportune, or opportunity is the is the root word opportune. And so, you know, that means there's a specific and a unique timing for something. And so when it comes to opportunity in life, usually there's a time limit. In other words, um, eventually that opportunity likely will go away. I mean, I think back to like when my wife and I first had the the DTR, define the relationship uh, back in our college days. Uh, I actually missed it. Um, I regret to say that I, uh, I wasn't ready to commit. And, uh, and so I lost that opportunity and it was gone. And I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to get this opportunity again. And, uh, fortunately a year and a half later, things kind of worked themselves out to where I did have another opportunity and that time. I was not going to miss it. Uh, but the point is, you know, there's opportunities that come and then, and then they, they can go. Uh, but when it comes to the timing of God, sometimes God does put things in our hearts that are longer term. I mean, I know for Arrow Striker, had I had I written the book 15 years ago, it would not have been um, as good. I would not have had uh, the stories. You know, I share a lot of stories of people throughout the book, uh, and I, w- I wouldn't have had the 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 richness of some of those stories of of people and how God used people, just everyday people, um, and so. Um, you know, for me, I'm glad that I waited. I think the timing ended up being right. Um, but the point is, I think the timing of things is, is, and oftentimes it's a matter of what do you sense from God? So maybe God has given you some thoughts, some ideas. Uh, one of the gals that read my book, she, um, had been feeling something for a a long time, but she just kind of had it sitting on the shelf, reading the book kind of reignited in her, uh, this passion to do it. And, she, there wasn't a sense from the Lord that she was supposed to wait. In her case, it was beliefs about herself. She was a divorced Christian woman. And it was beliefs about herself feeling that maybe she didn't have everything to offer because her life was a little bit messy. And so she allowed other circumstances to prevent her from stepping into the opportunity. And so in her case, just using her as an example, she actually felt like she was supposed to do it immediately, but she was kind of letting it sit on the shelf. <clears throat> And so in that case, she decided to move forward. But then there's other times where like you or I are writing a book or feeling like we're supposed to, but there's just the journey to get there. And I think my kind of overall um, rule of thumb for life is it's, it's all about what is the Lord saying? And I know sometimes it can be hard to discern, um, you know, but we have to just, that's where we have to be in prayer. That's where we have to be uh, in fasting uh, and in the word. So that way we're really in tune with, okay, Lord, when is the right time for this? And if we don't ever hear of a, of God saying to wait, then I typically feel that we need to more step, just more readily step into things, uh, you know, on the quicker, as soon as we can, unless we feel like the Lord pausing us or steering us in another direction. Um, but I think the overall premise uh, of the book is that opportunity is going to come. And it's important for us to step into that uh, when that timing is right. Now, obviously, if you have 
opportunity to step into something just simple, whether it's conversations and so forth. I mean, those are obviously immediate, uh, but sometimes those bigger callings, uh, writing the book, uh, going out and speaking, the maybe a new ministry you're going to start, those may take time. And that's where the prayer and fasting in my, in my mind is key to determining what, what does God want? It's easy when we're talking about opportunities to always imagine things bigger, better, you know, the next thing you're adding more things, but you also write towards the end of the book about how learning to take advantage of these divine opportunities is also a process of pruning that God is often using opportunities, not just to bring us into something new, to do something new, but he also uses opportunities as a way of pruning our life. Uh, you're talking about it, I think already by describing this fasting, this prayer, sure. the sense of discernment. Um, how is the way in God, which God prunes and shapes our life related to opportunity? Well, certainly we know that, that Jesus um, taught that, uh, we need to prune our life. I mean, we are familiar with um, the vine and the branches and, and that whole um, uh, parable that Jesus talked about. And pruning in, in life is very important, um, not just with the spiritual disciplines, but also just with like the things that we let come into our life. And so I use the story of a, a gentleman named Scott in the book. And Scott, um, he's a, just a strong Christian man, a family man, dedicated to his local church, very committed, serves in the church regularly just there all the time. I mean, just a really, really solid man of God. And yet one of the routines years ago in his life was to, um, you know, turn on the TV late at night after the kids got to bed and just kind of veg out for a while. And, and the Lord, uh, during a time of fasting for him, the Lord spoke to him about uh, maybe scaling that back and not watching TV so much and instead doing a Bible study, doing some devotions with his wife, serving at a local uh, uh, boys club. And and he ended up doing that and was, was very fulfilled. And so using that as an example, when God prunes our lives, it then allows him to speak to us about the opportunities he might want us to step into, like Scott's case of stepping into this opportunity to go invest in a boy. And it turns out that it only was like four hours a month is all they all they were looking for. And he's like, oh, wow, yeah, I can totally do this. But he would not have gotten to that point to invest in this young boy's life had he not paused to say, okay, how can I prune? And what does that look like? And, you know, it was as simple as scaling scaling back uh, the TV watching at night. And, and, and that's an example for him. And, you know, for all of us, we have things that we might be doing. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about just the busyness of ministry and the meetings and the so forth. And maybe even for those who are pastors that are listening, you know, your life is full of things. They're not, you're not watching TV at night. So maybe that's not applicable to you, but maybe you're running, um, you're running 50 miles an hour, hundred miles an hour. And, and maybe there's some things in your life that you need to scale back so that you can lead more effectively, operate more effectively. And, um, and so for all of us, I think when we allow ourselves to prune and we just evaluate the, the, how we spend our time and how we spend our energy, what does that look like? That allows us to then maybe scale some things back or change how we operate so that we are allowing the Lord to then help us to have that margin, to be able to step into whatever he wants us to do. I do want to ask a question for uh, the writers listening. A lot of uh, the audience's writers themselves. Um, 
when you think about the work you've been doing as a writer, I think this is taking advantage of opportunities as a writer can be a real challenge because for most of us, there's always the next thing we're wanting to write about. There's always articles or blogs or podcast interviews. You're sort of always creating content and trying to figure out when to say something, when not to say something. Um, I know you've been doing some more writing. You've got speaking opportunities. Uh, when it comes to your work as a writer, how are you thinking about what opportunities to invest the time in, what opportunities to say no to, evaluating those when to speak, when not to speak. Yeah, that's great. When uh, right now it's, um, I, I'm taking more, uh, I'm taking as many opportunities as I can. Uh, as you know, as a first time author, you're trying to get out there, you're trying to get your work out there, you're trying to get people to purchase books, trying to speak. And, and so um, right now I'm in that season where I'm making the commitment and my wife and I collectively have agreed that I'm going to be out more. Um, but then longer term, um, I do think it's going to be one of those things for us that we just have to evaluate uh, because, uh, at, you know, as you know, Chase, we've got young kids and, um, and so being gone from them all the time is not, uh, not wise because they're, uh, they're my calling as well. And I have to make sure that I'm stewarding that and, 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 and investing there. And so long term, that's going to be a big, um, a big important uh, factor for us is, is, you know, my wife and my kids and how we do that together. But I also know that when you have an opportunity like this, this is a season. And so in this particular season where the book has just come out, it's, it's all out, you know, and I'm even developing other resources to go along with it right now because um, be, just because of the nature of this particular topic. And so creating the small group Bible study, the sermon kit for churches and all these different things that we're doing, um, because we want to just really help get this message out about people, um, having these opportunities and striking their arrows, um, every single day. Well, the book again, as we've been talking about, Arrow Striker, live with purpose and leave an eternal impact every single day. Um, I think, you know, if you're a listener thinking about how to understand opportunities, how to take better take those opportunities and do more with them. Um, if you're wrestling with questions about timing, what God's doing in your life, I think it's a really helpful book for processing those. I know it really challenged me to think more intentionally about um, what are those things that I'm missing or overlooking in the busyness of my life. Uh, Jonathan, the holidays are coming up. Um, people are buying books. People are thinking about gifts. Uh, what's the best way if somebody wanted to pick up a copy of the book, maybe not just for themselves, but a family member, and then the best way for people just to keep up with the work you're doing to be able to follow along. Yeah, thank you. Um, Arrowstriker.com is uh, the best way to follow. That's the best way to stay in touch with everything. <laughs> Excuse me, with everything. Um, so if people go to Arrowstriker.com. That's where they can see how to follow me on social media. That's where they can learn more about the book, uh, the other ancillary resources that are coming out with the book. Um, and then there actually is a spot there. You mentioned um, getting books for family or friends. Um, we've got bulk discounts available as well. And so, uh, there on the website, you can click to, uh, check out the bulk discount of opportunity. So we've had some pastors and churches and other organizations that have actually been purchasing it for Christmas gifts already. Um, so that's a, a great opportunity as well. And, um, but going to arrowstriker.com, that's, that's the place. 
Well, once again, congratulations. As we've been talking about, I know uh, it's been a long time in the work, and I know you've seen this opportunity through and still are. And so just praying that the message goes further, your work continues, and uh, really grateful for an opportunity, grateful for a, a challenge again, and that all of us, particularly maybe as we're even moving into this holiday season, those conversations with family and friend and maybe people we don't see all that often, that God might give all of us just some unique opportunities and that by faith we'll recognize them and take full advantage of them. Yeah, no, I love that. And I want to just personally say thank you to you um, publicly because you have been a a strong um, influence and investment in me as we've kind of gone through this journey together. You just were a little bit ahead. And so it's been very helpful to uh, just to bounce thoughts and questions off you. So I just want to say thank you to you as well. Yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate it. We need more. We need more great writers and great books. And so I'm always happy to help. And I hope the podcast does it as well. So, well, Jonathan, have a have a great week. And thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. As always, you can find show notes for today's episode by going to pastorwriter.com. I've got information there about Jonathan's book, as well as a link to the website with all of the resources he's been describing. Uh, Also on the website, you'll find information about the five masculine instincts. If you haven't picked up a copy of the book yet, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, if you have picked up the book and read it, perhaps you'd consider leaving a review on Amazon or wherever you purchase the book. It's been great being able to read those reviews and learn from them. And I always appreciate readers taking the time to do it. As always, have a great week. Until next time.